Episode 2 of Welcome Home South Carolina Football took place just last night. What all happened in the episode? Plus, some big recruiting updates for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show as always for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. All right, so for today's show, I'm going to be talking with Sports Illustrated's John Garcia Jr. once again, our resident recruiting insider here at Locked On, to talk about multiple targets for the Gamecocks, including Xavier McLeod, who's announcing later today, Desmond Yumio Zulu, who is announcing his commitment on August the 29th, and many more. But before I get into that interview, I do want to give my quick thoughts and takeaways from episode two of the Welcome Home South Carolina Football TV miniseries that took place last night. So obviously there was a few different things that did take place in episode two. We saw the beginning of fall camp for South Carolina, some of the meetings that happened right before it started. The first practice for the Gamecocks taking place, and obviously the energy was a little bit low, at least from what the cameras showed on day one, and admittedly, it's kind of always going to be that way your first day back in fall camp. It's the first time in like three and a half, four months almost that these guys have actually put on some helmets and jerseys and have actually been going out there and running plays in that heat and humidity, which again, if you're not from here or don't live in Columbia, South Carolina, you would not understand, quite frankly. Um, and so, you know, it was a little bit light on the energy day one, but of course, you know, coach Beamer being as energetic as he is bouncing around from station to station and checking in on the players, made sure to try to keep the guys spirits up. And it seems like things got better as those practices went along. Marshawn Lloyd from the few clips they showed of some running plays. Uh, yeah, he still looks very, very explosive Been making some really solid and nasty jump cuts. And again, I think just continues to show why he is ready for that running back one spot. Uh, Eric Douglas, the segment on the story with his father having to go to the hospital during one of his high school games and, you know, him changing his mind on coming back to South Carolina was all really cool. Obviously, the amount of growth and the tribulations that he's been through, his family's been through, his father being a two-time All-American at South Carolina State, really, really awesome story. Um, And, of course, his father telling him that, you know, if he didn't make it, out of that ambulance alive, you know, with his health emergency that he wanted him to be a good football player because he knows that that is his passion. Just really awesome stuff there. Of course, not the situation itself, but the message from his dad. And Eric Douglas apparently going into last season or at least somewhere maybe a couple games in was not going to come back. But apparently, as his dad told at least in the show last night, he decided as they got near the end of the season that he wanted to come back and be a part of what's being built here, which again, just shows how much this program is changing, how the culture is changing under head coach Shane Beamer. And then the last part I thought was interesting was Marcus Satterfield getting highlighted at the end of last night's show and 
talking to the players about how the slow starts and practices can carry over to games. And, of course, mentioning how last year there were multiple games, you know, Texas A&M and Tennessee, the very first two at the forefront of my mind, you know, games that we start off really bad, quite honestly. We were slow out the gate, and maybe the guys didn't get up for it like they needed to, and it just did not work out for them in the end. So, you know, talking about how they need to do better at starting practices on the right foot and that will therefore carry over to these games then they can win more games of course this upcoming football season so a lot of stuff from last night's episode again thought it was really cool to see all of that and really looking forward to episode three of the welcome home south carolina football tv miniseries this next wednesday night So that's really all I got from a takeaway perspective with the show because I got a really solid interview here with John Garcia Jr. where I talk about multiple blue chip defensive prospects the Gamecocks are going after. I get his insight sort of on the offensive line class and why this class could be one to build on for future recruiting classes. I think y'all are really going to enjoy it, but before I do get into that, of course, I do need to talk to y'all about our sponsor today, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And, you know, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, we are all ready for football season. And, of course, this might mean you're tailgating with family and friends, which could mean drinks, potentially too many drinks. And as the festivities come to a close, you might think of calling for a ride, but you decide you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. Besides, what are the odds you get pulled over anyways? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up by a couple hundred dollars. You lose your license for a while. You lose your job. You total your car. Or you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few too many drinks think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride from a friend because it only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. And thank y'all once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. The Ultimate College Football Preview is here. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything that you need to be ready for the college football season all in one spot. So search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, with that being said, let's get on right into the interview with John Garcia, Jr., and once again, I'm pleased to be joined by John Garcia, Jr., Locked On's resident recruiting insider. He's the director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated and is a college football recruiting analyst for SI Now, SI All-American, and Yellowhammer Football, which covers the best high school football in the state of Alabama. John, I appreciate you joining me once again. Yes, sir, Andrew. Good to be back on with you. And uh, yeah, the Gamecocks are hot and, and there's more ahead for, for this program. So good time to check back in. Absolutely. It is a great time to be a Gamecock right now with, I believe, the class ranking for the most part in the top 25 of most recruiting services. Um, and I got we got a lot to talk about with some future prospects who may be announcing very soon. But before I do get into all of that, today's recruiting video is brought to you by LinkedIn, the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster, so be sure to post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash College. Terms and conditions do apply. 
All right, John, so let's go ahead and get all right into it and start off with four-star defensive line prospect Xavier McLeod. Now, he is from Camden, South Carolina, so this is one that's a little bit personal to Gamecock fans. He's a homegrown talent that fans really want to get. He's announcing his commitment later tonight at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time between South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and Michigan, live on, I believe, 24-7 Sports' YouTube channel. He's visited South Carolina and Georgia the most by far out of all these finalists, but, John, with things leading up to his eventual commitment, what's the latest that you've heard on Xavier McLeod? Well, I think I'll start with the two teams you mentioned hosting McLeod the most, Georgia and South Carolina, respectively. No disrespect to, to Florida and Michigan, but it feels like this is more of a true Georgia-Carolina battle. Uh, several of these have brewed up over the years, particularly on the defensive line. And leading into this, man, it, it feels incredibly close. You can kind of build the case for both programs where you say, hey, South Carolina, extreme familiarity, uh, residents there basically in terms of the amount of visits he's taken, uh, very familiar with Shane Beamer and the entire coaching staff and the culture of Carolina from years past and, and how it's evolved to this very moment. And then Georgia, the program that has made up the most ground over the last six to 12 months or so they've missed on a few big interior defensive line targets. So the onus to go out and grab an Xavier McLeod feels a little bit more uh, in intense from that Georgia perspective. Obviously they've done great things at that position. So you would never blame a kid for opting to roll with the national champs. So it feels like it's very close. I do think for Carolina fans, it's very good that he's coming off the board as soon as possible. I think the longer this thing extended, the more you don't want to call it fear, but the more you would worry right. about that Georgia come up, if you will. So I do think that is something positionally that makes a lot of sense for the USC angle. But again, you can't count out Kirby and the Bulldogs. Trey Scott, that coaching staff, knows what they're, what they're doing up front. They can sell that about as well as any program in the country right now. But it, it, there's something to be said for a Camden kid, like you said, semi-local to campus. And that's one of those positions we talk about over the years, Andrew, where South Carolina has been able to keep those kids home, you know, along the defensive front in particular. That is where we've seen a lot of those kids really stay put with the Gamecocks. And, and there's really nothing that tells me to come off of that from an all things even standpoint. And that's where you want to be. You feel like, hey, all things even, we like our chances uh, for a kid like this. And I think that's where South Carolina fans should sit today. You certainly could pick Georgia. It, it wouldn't be the biggest shocker in the industry, um, but I do think you feel good about where things are relative to the timeline that he's looking to make the decision. If it was right off of, of an official visit elsewhere, or kind of spur of the moment kind of thing, or extended, you, you start to worry a little bit. But I think right now with something that was kind of put out there and locked in, you feel good about South Carolina's chances. Though Xavier is saying all the things that make you worry a little bit more, like he's not quite ready, yeah. it's not even done you know, privately. I think that tells you whether USC wins out or not, it tells you that Georgia has made a true charge in this recruitment the question becomes how much? How much has UGA flipped this thing on its head? Enough to overtake the Gamecocks or just enough to make it interesting there at the very end, at the finish line, which is kind of where I'm leaning today. Uh, but the more I dig into it, certainly the more you can kind of find some Georgia buzz in this recruitment, a clear priority for both programs, and it could be as simple as a coin flip going into this call. 
Right, absolutely. And of course, South Carolina's had a couple of these recently with Marquis Anderson and Ola Watson, Bob Alot, who of course I'll get to with another one of my questions later on. But yeah, South Carolina desperately wants to keep Xavier McLeod here in state at South Carolina. Now, moving on from one blue chip defensive line target to another and Desmond Yumio Zulu out of Maryland. Now, he has been viewed for a while now as a Buckeye lean, but in South Carolina's recruiting circles recently, it has been reported that South Carolina hasn't really let up on this recruiting battle. And obviously, you never expect a coaching staff to just give up and move on very easily when it comes to prospects like Desmond. But it almost has come off with the tone like South Carolina might still have a long shot in this recruiting battle. They've had some success in the Maryland and D.C. area this recruiting cycle with Zabari Sandy and Oluwatosin Babalad. So, do they have a shot here with Desmond at the end, who I believe is committing on August the 29th? Yeah, just less than two weeks uh, heading into that decision. And yeah, I do think there's some traction for South Carolina. You know, when he when he was building up to the commitment, you expected two or three teams to stay in the mix. South Carolina, North Carolina, certainly Ohio State were, were sort of the projected ones. And then there was a, this bubble of wild cards thereafter. And then when he put out the tweet just the other day, Pitt was was that school that ended up being another finalist. So I think that one is a little bit more surprising compared to a South Carolina that we kind of expected to be on that list. Now, Desmond is one kind of like Babalade, as you mentioned earlier, doesn't say a whole lot, doesn't say a whole lot. So we're going off of a lot of sourcing and kind of classic reporting one-on-one traits and trying to peg this thing. And I think that's why there's not really an update to that early spring summer consensus that, Hey, he was going to be tough, you know, to miss out on for the Buckeyes. Nothing has really pushed people off of that, even though he took summer official visits to a bunch of programs, including of course, South Carolina. And I think that's, that's why there's just a whole lot of, do we have a shot or not? And, And I don't have that exact answer, but I will tell you that Ohio State has added several commitments since they do have a couple edge prospects on board. So you do start to wonder, especially with the prowess of Larry Johnson, and some other top targets remaining like Mateo Uyangalale, Damon Wilson down in, in the state of Florida, Nicholas Harbor, another Maryland kid. You wonder where the numbers start to lie here from that Ohio State perspective and nothing right. wrong with benefiting from a power program. Uh, just not having enough space to bring in all these great players. So I do think that's something to keep an eye on from the South Carolina perspective. And like you said, the staff has not slowed down here. And I think that's another good indicator that not not only is South Carolina in this, but maybe in the top two at worst as it's currently presented. And I think uh, a staff like this that has recruited so well, you have to have awareness. You have to know when to gear down because yeah, it's, it's maybe a lost cause. So Two weeks out, still hearing positive energy coming from the South Carolina approach, I do think should create some optimism heading into this decision. Though, again, the, the most tangible buzz was, was kind of early and often with the Buckeyes. But I'm curious, with so many targets out there, just how high on the board Umeo Zulu is at this very moment relative to taking a verbal commitment. A lot of strategy and, and give and take going on in, in roster management across college football. And certainly Ryan Day knows how to operate in that lane. So it'll be fascinating to see that one play out in in just a couple weeks. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of power programs like Ohio State and Notre Dame, with the way recruiting is now over the summertime period, there has been this situation of almost overloading, which of course isn't a bad problem, but for programs like South Carolina, who maybe aren't like Ohio State and Notre Dame in the recruiting realm, you know, it certainly can be favorable to programs like that. So of course, South Carolina, you know, hopeful maybe that that could play a potential role here with Desmond Yumeo Zulu. How's it going, Gamecock Nation? I hope that y'all been enjoying the interview so far with John Garcia Jr. And we got plenty of good stuff coming up after this as we'll be talking about defensive tackle prospect Elijah Davis and if he could be making an announcement soon, the O-line class for 2023 and how the Gamecocks could build off of that moving forward. And then lastly, where do the Gamecocks stand with Terrence Love? Could there be a chance that they flip Terrence Love at some point during this fall season? But before I get into all of that, I need to pass along another message from our friends over at BetOnline. Now, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games, along with reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, where yes, you can indeed bet on preseason games, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, golf, and yes, even esports. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering needs, including live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered in all facets. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn the latest about the trends and action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back to the final segment of today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover Gamecock sports every single day, continuing our interview here with Sports Illustrated Director of Recruiting, John Garcia Jr. And uh, John, we've already talked about two defensive line prospects, so why not talk about a third one with JUCO defensive tackle Elijah Davis out of East Mississippi Community College, obviously a big time program in the JUCO ranks. Now, he is originally from the state of South Carolina. So like Xavier McLeod, who I talked about earlier, another prospect from the state that fans really would like to see be kept in state, so to speak. And he has a really solid offer list, including teams like Alabama, Georgia, Miami, Texas, a lot of prestigious programs. And Davis being a JUCO product brings something that a high school kid doesn't bring, which is experience going against, in some cases, real top-notch Division I level athletes in football. So is Davis nearing a decision anytime soon? And where does South Carolina stand currently against some of the other contenders that maybe you've heard about, John? Yeah, well, he he's had a really busy, busy summer uh, on the visit front. A lot of the schools you mentioned hosted him for trips. Of course, South Carolina uh, did so, I believe, in June and July. I believe he was at, at the cookout there to wrap up uh, the open period before everybody focused on fall camp. So I think that was encouraging from the USC perspective. He did visit Alabama, Tennessee, Florida State, uh, among some of the other programs on the list. I don't think he's put out uh, like his top group or anything like that. I think he's kept that relatively close to the vest. But like you said, with the positional need there, for South Carolina, the ties to his home state, where obviously he's gone back home plenty during the offseason, multiple visits to USC. I don't know if he took multiple trips anywhere else throughout this part of the process. I think Ole Miss got him on campus once as well. I should mention them. Uh, so, so there's a lot going for the Gamecocks in this one. I think between him and McLeod, you got to try to split it. You know, if you don't get one, you, you got to try to grab the other. Uh, and, and the same question pops up when you look at some of the programs in the race for Davis, you know, just how many spots 
does an Alabama have on the defensive interior when we know there's a lot of prospects in state and, and nationally that they're still very much in on? And those same questions can be asked about some of the other programs involved in this recruitment. And what's interesting about junior college prospects, though, they're always in their own lane. Uh, they always kind of take their time and pop when they're going to pop. Uh, so I do think right. there there could be some room left in this Elijah Davis recruitment. Um, I'm wondering if he's going to get to some games, maybe to see what his situation would look like. Like you mentioned, there's some different approaches when you're talking about junior college football recruits. One, they do bring a maturity to the position, or whatever position they play. But two, I think that carries over into their recruitment. And that creates a little bit of, you know, this discourse from the convention from a, a destination standpoint because they have a ticking clock that is just accelerated compared to other high school recruits so different things resonate with junior college prospects so i say all that to say these kids like to see games because they get a true sample of what the rosters look like because they're going to jump right in and expect themselves to make that immediate impact uh the following spring so i do think that maybe getting a few games under his belt could help in this final sort of countdown mode for Elijah Davis. But we know Juco guys sign in December more times than not. Uh, He's got, again, all the offers you mentioned. He's got ties to South Carolina and other schools in SEC country. So you just wonder if he takes in a couple of trips before making that decision uh, publicly coming out of East Mississippi because, you know, they got a season to get to uh, as well. Obviously, always high expectations at that program. But, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 300 pounds, Everybody needs that on their roster at at some stage. So I think between him and McLeod, you got to try to finish one of these recruitments off. You take both, certainly, but you got to try to finish one of these recruitments off before the season begins. And I think your your class continues to push uh, in a positive direction because obviously you need some help on the D-line. We just talked about a lot of D-line targets. Uh, not something you need on the O-line, you know, so you got to reinforce the trenches on both sides. They've done so on offense, need to continue to finish the job defensively uh, heading into the season uh, and and thereafter. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, if you want to take that next step as a program like South Carolina hopes to do in the next couple of years, it all starts in the trenches, especially on the recruiting front and the development front, quite honestly, as well. Um, Since you've mentioned the offensive line, let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. Uh, South Carolina, Um, Even coming from a South Carolina fan myself, I have to say, I think this offensive line class is stacked with talent. You got guys like four-star Marquis Anderson, four-star Luatison Babalad, four-star Trevon Ba out of Georgia, Isaiah Yada, Juco prospect from the West Coast, and then Jatavius Shivers from Georgia as well. And personally, John, I've never seen South Carolina land a class like this. So when we look at programs who stay at the top of college football, it all starts in the trenches, like I mentioned. And with your experience as a recruiting expert, how could you see South Carolina potentially building off of this kind of an offensive line class for future recruiting cycles? Yeah, really important uh, group to single out here. I think it creates a stability. It creates an expectation where you kind of know you're good from the inside out. I think it helps with quarterback recruiting, which is something that USC needs here going forward. It certainly helps uh, with skill positions thereafter as well. Notably, running back is kind of the first one that that pops into your mind. I love the Dontavious Braswell pickup, by the way. I think he's one of the better three-down backs in this class. I've seen him do a lot of damage uh, in the pass-catching game, and we know he can actually you know, absolutely pick him up and put him down uh, oh, with yeah. that straight-line speed. So it certainly helps – 
build out that position from a recruiting perspective. And I actually think it helps you on the defensive line because, you know, when, when kids commit to the SEC, what do they say? Iron sharpens iron. It's the SEC. It's the best conference in the country. And a lot of that has to do with the day-to-day, who you're practicing against. So if you are an Xavier McLeod or an Elijah Davis, one of these big interior guys, and you see five 300-pounders already on board, you're like, hey, we're going to get that work in immediately when I get you know to campus. Um, and then in terms of building the offensive line class, I thought it was really interesting that Carolina went so uh, outside the footprint, right? And you went to the junior college ranks across the country. You went up to Maryland, just areas where we don't ne- normally associate USC with. Um, and I think to do so with offensive linemen says a lot because those guys are less diva-ish. They're more likely to stick to kind of their area, business-like recruitment, in and out, early commitments, all those things. And yet you still went out and got prospects from really all over the country up front. I love Marquis Anderson. I think, you know, he was one that when we put out the 99 uh, last week, he was right on that bubble. We almost threw him in there at the very last minute. Uh, One of the more polished interior projections in this class. And then you got a bunch of tackles thereafter. I love that because it promotes athleticism and cross training which is something that's so necessary in building out a great roster. So I do think it, it breeds a little bit more success in the future of trench recruiting, but obviously immediately helps you out with building out the rest of that offensive class, which is something that South Carolina needs to continue to work towards uh, in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And of course we talk O-line prospects 2024 might be the best offensive tackle class South Carolina has ever seen. I mean, you got, Josiah Thompson and Cam Pringle and even Blake Franks from Greenville High School. Can't forget him either. Um, And South Carolina, in my opinion, could be heavily in the game for all those guys. So, But offensive line recruiting definitely has been fantastic for the Gamecocks recently. Um, John, my last question for you here, and once again, I really appreciate all of your time and insight that you brought today on the show. Going back to the defensive side of the ball real quick, let's talk about a guy who's actually already committed to another SEC program in four-star safety and Auburn commit Terrence Love. Now, the reason I bring this up is his name's been brought up a lot more recently in Gamecock recruiting circles, and he did visit the Gamecocks back on June 24th, I believe for a seven-on-seven camp with some of his teammates at his high school, and he even talked with uh, Chris Clark of Gamecock Central, which is on three's South Carolina-based website, and he essentially said his recruitment or his commitment status with Auburn was sort of up in the air, and with South Carolina's interest seemingly having picked up recently and Auburn staff obviously having their job status potentially dangling over the edge for the 2022 season and beyond, could South Carolina create an opportunity here to flip Love? Yeah, Love Love is one of these you know versatile hybrid prospects that fits in a lot of different defensive schemes. And you could see why, as time has gone on, a lot of schools have continued to pursue him, including South Carolina, as you mentioned. Two things here. One, he's at Langston Hughes, like you said, a school that is ascending in the Atlanta area, coming off of a state title appearance, a lot of eyeballs there. They've got great talent uh, really on both sides of the ball. The quarterback, Aaron Nolan's a national recruit. Tight end Jelani Thurman is is an Ohio State commitment. They've got a lot of eyeballs uh, on them uh, pretty much daily from an evaluation standpoint. So that's always going to roll over to new opportunities from a recruiting standpoint, particularly with a kid like this who committed so early. I think he committed late in the spring to the Tigers. So naturally you're going to continue to at least hear from other programs. So, so that's one thing. Secondly, Terrence is saying 
pretty wide open stuff. As you mentioned, he said that he's pretty wide open with the process going forward. He said he's going to take all five official visits. That is something if you're an Auburn fan, they are like you're kind of sunk about because that is at least if he takes one to Auburn, that is four more opportunities to get 48 hours on one of these other campuses with intimate time uh, included from, from these various coaching staffs. And that is where there should be a lot of worry because yeah, there is this feeling of uncertainty and instability on the planes going into this season where it's like every loss becomes a, a think piece from that community. So uh, tracking how that goes in addition to where these official visits are to be taken from Terrence Love's perspective, start to become, you know, fascinating to track going into the season and beyond, you know? So I I think it's absolutely something to keep an eye on. You know, I do know when he committed to Auburn, he thought the fit was really great. You know, that they're, they're well advanced on that side of the ball compared to how they recruit and project offensively. So I do see Auburn accumulating some nice talent on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, But yeah, there's still this looming question and you know, it comes up with other coaches Will that staff be in place come 2023? And there's still no clear indication that that is a resounding yes. I don't know if there's a win total they have to get to or what have you, but kids committed to that school, kids committed to Nebraska, kids committed to schools where there could be some movement uh, after the season, you have to take a closer look at it. And those coaching staffs, in turn, have to continue to recruit those guys pretty much consistently as if they were uncommitted recruits. So I do think love is one of these fascinating prospects. We'll watch, take a bunch of visits in the fall and see if Auburn can hold on to. And, and at the end of the day, with all those trips, it may not matter if, if the, the coaching staff gets a vote of confidence from Alan green, the AD or, or any of that, it might not matter in the end because now you've taken at least four trips on other schools dimes during the season. So he's going to see great, game day atmospheres and and feel all of that energy and buzz that kids love to talk about. So I do think it's, it's going to be tight for Auburn to hold on to him either way at this point, if he's already on the front end saying, Hey, I'm pretty open going into at least four or five more visits. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with four-star linebacker, Jaden Robinson decommitting and flipping to Florida recently, uh, and exudes a lot of coverage ability, even though he's a linebacker. South Carolina, I think, would definitely like to try to get one more guy, whether it's Terrence Love at safety or maybe any other prospect that I haven't really mentioned that uh, you know can also bring some coverage ability to that back end of the defense. So, But, John, once again, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and bringing your insight, as always. Always a pleasure, Andrew. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. Well, guys and gals, I hope that y'all enjoyed that interview with Sports Illustrated's John Garcia Jr. Really appreciate him once again for coming on to the show and giving us all this insight into all of these recruiting targets that the South Carolina Gamecocks are going after at this time. If you want more information on high school football recruiting, especially from a national standpoint, you can follow John Garcia Jr. on Twitter at John Garcia underscore And with all that being said, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. What were your takeaways from episode two of Welcome Home South Carolina Football on Wednesday night? Was there anything else that really stuck out to you that I didn't mention today's show? Also, 
What are your thoughts on all these targets? Do you think Xavier McLeod will be a Gamecock at the end of the day? Or do you think the Bulldogs might come into our backyard and snag him? How do you feel about all the other prospects that were mentioned? And plus, what are the effects you think this O-line class from the 2023 recruiting cycle could have on future recruiting cycles? I do want to hear all y'all's thoughts, as always, down below in the comments section if you're watching this on YouTube. But of course, if you're listening to this on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a lion underscore sc on twitter and i'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as i see them and also if you've enjoyed the locked on gamecocks podcast and you want to get more news on the entire sec conference then make locked on sec your second listen every day where host chris gordy and the other local experts of locked on take you across the entire sec in just 30 minutes so again make locked on sec your second listen after of course the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But again, y'all, that's going to do it for me on today's show. Hope y'all have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll catch you on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>